0: Hi, this is Joe Peters at Coldwell Banker. I'm about to interview Sean Van Doren, our freeholder director for Hunterdon County. I apologize in advance as my microphone is not clear but is understandable, but Sean's came out perfectly well. Sean is our head freeholder. I guess you've got a more official title than that. Yeah, director. Director of freeholders. And this is just the end of your first two-year term, and you've just been elected for a re-up.
1: That's correct. Yes, yes. The, the results officially got certified uh, this past Friday, the twentieth. So it was a uh, election unlike no no before in terms of waiting two weeks for the official results, which has never happened.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I did an interview with Mary about two weeks before election day, and we broadcast you know what you need to know. Although she did a great job of putting the uh, Mary Melbury, our county clerk, put all the information out on her website. So. I did that both Mary in our county, and I also did it with uh, Steve Peter over in Somerset County. I cover both counties.
1: Yes. But
0: the election behind us is more than a mouthful. It was a big consumption. And uh, you ran unopposed, I think, right?
1: No, no, I had an opponent. Um, and congratulations. Uh, you know, no, typically I have. I mean, uh, you know, the de- the Democrats usually feel, uh, you know, very spirited uh, candidates and, you know, as part of our, you know, democracy and our election process, it's always healthy to have, uh, uh, opposition and, and let each individual, you know, make their case to the voter. So uh, we did that. And it was a very, I guess a somewhat quiet campaign, I'll call it, uh, because of COVID. Um, I didn't do, uh, much door to door just because of, of, you know people being concerned about strangers walking up to their house and wearing a mask and not being able to see their face and right and also i have a, a you know my mother uh, who is elderly lives with me and so i had you know concern there didn't certainly want to bring anything back to back to her um
0: well very considerate but still got the job done so yes congratulations yes thank you for another two years um, do we have
1: anybody new? I mean, first of all, we're not going to call people freeholders anymore. Thinking- no. Effective uh, January 1st, we are, the state legislature passed a, a law and the governor signed uh, calling us now uh, county commissioners or commissioners, okay. um, which is in concert with most other states around the country. Um, freeholder, title, freeholder title was a unique title to New Jersey going back um, centuries. Uh, and so, uh, effective January 1st, our titles change. We do not have to update, uh, immediately, uh, uh, anything that has a significant expense to it, like building signage and things of that nature and, and work those things in over time so that we're not forced to spend, uh, extra dollars that, you know, could go elsewhere, but you'll see changes on the website, changes to stationery and business cards, things like that, uh, that have a small, uh. A small expense title. So,
0: were there any new freeholders this year or the the same?
1: No, no, no change cuz my mind was the, my seat was the only seat that was up. Um, and so we will change uh, leadership so in other words the director uh, that I've served now for the for this year will uh, I will not serve in that capacity in in 2021. My colleague who has served with me as the deputy director um, Sue Sallaway from Franklin Township, she will be stepping into the the leadership role and i'll be just back as a, a commissioner i guess if you will
0: great I, I look at your workload and i know you carry a full-time job most people think oh, all i do is this no this is a
1: <laughs> yeah no this is this is a side side job i'll call it part-time job although this past year certainly felt like a second full-time job with with COVID, and um you know in the early days of, of the pandemic i was holding uh mayor's calls with our 26 municipalities as well as all of our state legislators we have three legislative districts that cover um hundred county so that's nine uh state legislators uh for us plus um our two u.s senators and our congressmen um have been fully engaged and and supportive um and either they were on themselves uh my calls or their staffs um, so that mayor's questions could get answered or issues. Um, the big issue really through much of the year was state-related uh, state, le- state related in terms of unemployment insurance right. and frustrations people were having uh, trying to get through um, to file for uh, state unemployment. And, and I would field a lot of those calls and emails, but unfortunately, little I could do uh, to help them. So I would basically put them in touch with their legislative office and, and have them take, take and run with it.
0: So you know, my kids are all grown and gone, and most of them live in, summer, in uh Middlesex County. And they're telling me in Middlesex County, it's like back to square zero. There's you no know, toilet paper. There's to rush the um, and supermarket. And I had told them all along, you probably I want to get in a dry, car and drive 30 miles and come over here because we never experienced that in the first place. And I don't see it quite yet. But this resurgence, I mean, first of all, talk us talk about how we went through the last seven or eight months of COVID and what's next?
1: Well, um, as I said, I, I, I was holding uh, multiple calls a week. Um, right. When we started back in, uh, you know, late March, probably up through um, June, July. Um, and then, you know, we slowly saw it it, it, it cycle downward. Um, and so I, I, you know, dialed back a little bit. Um, our certainly our county health department has been on the front lines as well as our office of emergency management um, in terms of the day to day case management. Our health department has done an excellent job um, with contact tracing um, and, and ramping up uh, for that. We were, I'd like to say, ahead of other counties in doing that. Our, our director, Karen DeMarco, did an outstanding job, you know, organizing that. Um, and I was a recipient of that, too, because I had a family member that originally tested positive who I had close contact with. Um, and within uh, eight hours of, of that test, I had a call uh, from one of the county health department contact tracers advising me of, of you know, what happened and then what the, the the requirements are in terms of, of self-quarantining. And so um, that's a difficult process to, to, to go through. Um, And, uh, but, you know, it it worked and so uh, kudos to them. We've been able to, you know, distribute PPE um, to not only our our county staff, our county employee base, but, um, you know, also our long-term care facilities in in the county, Uh, work with them on testing requirements because they have uh, requirements that they have to abide by from the state health department, any long-term care facility, any nursing home facility, uh, in terms of testing their residents, their, their, um, patients, whether they're short-term or long-term as well as staff. Um, and so that has, has worked and we've been fortunate, uh, um, you know, to have, um, relatively low case numbers compared to other counties. I mean, I'm looking at our dashboard and as of, uh, today, as of this morning, uh, November 25th, we've got a total of, uh, 2,316 uh, confirmed and/or um, assumed uh, cases, and uh, unfortunately, 77 fatalities. Um, mm-hmm. The bulk of those fatalities, though, have occurred, you know, in what I'll call the first wave. This is cumulative; these are cumulative numbers, so these include, um, you know, since the pandemic okay. uh, started. Um, the age range of the cases is. Um, we had a, a, an infant, uh, so less than one year old, wow. all the way all the way through a 103 year old, in terms of positivity uh, cases, and then the death uh, age range for uh, deaths is from the youngest was 31, uh, all the way through 102 uh, years of age. So um, that's a dashboard that's publicly available that our residents can can see it's broken down by municipality. Um, That's to the extent that we can go because of making sure that we uh, uh, abide by HIPAA. That's the federal regulation around privacy. Um, And uh, so, you know, everybody's done a good job in terms of of face coverings and, and social distancing. We had some hiccups with, you know, right after the pandemic started, people wanting to get out our parks Uh, our county parks as well as our municipal parks, you know, saw quite a surge in, you know, people wanting to get out because gyms closed and, and, you know, many non-essential businesses all those months being closed, uh, people were getting um, pent up uh, being inside. So, you know, we had some issues with, with crowds, I'll, uh, I'll say in terms of uh, trails and, and parks, our park rangers did the best job they could. Um, you know, but a lot of it was, you know, left to the individual to uh, police themselves.
0: Right. So the one-year-old or the infant didn't pass. It was just a, a, a positive. No, that
1: was just a positive. That was our youngest uh, positive uh, of case. Uh, yes, the the, 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 the the youngest individual that unfortunately passed away uh, was, was 31, which is is in line with what we've heard, you know, around the country in terms of, uh, well, originally, we were hearing that it wasn 't affecting you know very young people when I say very young i 'll say you know less than eighteen um I think that's that 's changed a little bit um but certainly from a it being a fatal um a disease you know we are a, a disease yeah you know, we have not seen that we have not seen that here in honor. <clears throat>
0: and even with the 31 was there an underlying
1: I don't know I I, I'm sure there are and um, you know in some of these cases there are which is which has been typically the case there are underlying medical conditions Uh, diabetes I know is up there in the top three Um, you know COPD um, you know any other kind of respiratory ailment uh, when this you know disease attacks the body it, it looks for the weakest uh, point or the weakest link, and then, you know, attaches itself to, you know, whether it's an organ or a body system, um, so let me ask uh, you, in like, some cases, the body just can't, uh, you, know, you know, can't fight it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's life in general is that way, but it, it it. Um, we noticed that, uh, and you may not be able to answer this because of HIPAA, but we noticed that Raritan and Franklin seemed to be the two areas that were the worst within the county. And the reason we noticed that is Marilyn worked at Costco. She retired. She was just doing a demonstrator thing as a part-time something to do. So we decided she shouldn't do that. By looking at the statistics, it was right in the middle right. Right the cases. Is, is, am I reading it right, or is there a reason for that, or why it was so bad?
1: Well, that- you see, you see the high numbers. Yes, Raritan Township um, related to the long-term care facilities there. The, it wouldn't be related to the to Hunterdon Medical Center because if they had COVID-positive patients, which they did, that that number would go back to their, um, you know, their home municipality. And if they were outside the county, in other words, they lived outside of Hunterdon, that number would go back to their respective town. So, you know, Raritan's high numbers related to the to the long-term care facilities there. Union Township has uh, almost as high a number as. As rare, I'm looking at Union Township at 368. Now that's because we have the correctional facilities there and those individuals are considered, you know, residents of, of that facility. So hence, you know, Union Township, um, as well as the, um, uh, Hunterdon Developmental Center, um, where there are long-term, you know, individuals there. So those get, they look abnormally high thinking it's, um, you know, people sometimes jump to conclusion oh we've got an issue with our school for example and Mm -hmm. and you know knock on wood fortunately Hunterdon has not seen any significant spike in school cases since school started back in in September um Karen reported to us um I had a mayor's call back on Monday of this week and uh what Hunterdon has seen is is a spike in uh in, in gatherings, in parties, um, that when they're contact tracers do their work, um, you know, they're able to, to glean that information out. Some people, you know, understandably, some people don't reveal uh, everything because they feel that their privacy is being invaded. And, right. um, you know, they they also don't want to get other people in, in, in trouble thinking that police are going to show up or, or you know, as, a, as an afterthought in terms of the, the police. And so they're, 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 Fears are tried to be um, assuaged, but you know, it isn't always uh,
0: successful. It's so, that sort of like Marilyn was thinking of becoming a contact tracer, but when she read up on it, she said that uh, it should be better not be offended by rejection because most of the people that you call do not want to talk to you. She yeah, that, but that's understandable for the reason she just said, What's with the school system? Are we totally open, totally closed, partially open?
1: Um, as far as I can tell, I think it's it, it's a hybrid. Um, there there are s- some schools are having uh, split sessions. So in other words, they're sending like for instance, uh, I believe the North Hundred and Voorhees High School District, which serves Tewksbury here where I live. Uh, there's 12 municipalities basically the all the northern most municipalities. Um, they were on a hybrid schedule where they were going uh, two um, two days a week uh at home and then uh or excuse me two days a week in in school and three days at home and then that week flips to the following week where it's it's three in and two uh remote um and and when it's you know in person it's a full day but i believe it's a full day that just meets the the minimum number of hours it's not you know a, a seven thirty to to three o'clock it's i think they're done at like one thirty or something like that whereas they 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 educate through lunch because lunch is is difficult to uh to manage uh in terms of the gathering aspect um you know and you've got to not have a mask on when you eat and and so um so it's it it, and i think that that's that that varies across the county there may be some schools that are um you know completely remote for a period of time if they experience a positive case i believe they end up going remote so that the school can um, close and they come, uh, come in and, and you know go through a sanitization uh process,
0: very understandable. So, well, you had a busy schedule before this came along, and uh, this is the most important thing in everybody's mind right now.
1: But I'd like yes. to about
0: what we have accomplished. I mean, I, I took a look at your annual report when you talked about a $30.8 billion dollar project with no debt. I was amazed, and I've been involved in it now since 2016, since I went through the leadership program. Um, that's, those are amazing numbers. Um, how do we stack up versus other counties? It looks like we're number one or number two. In a couple
1: of things. Well, in terms of the, in terms of the no debt, we're the only county in New Jersey that, that has zero debt. I mean, that's a that's a decision that was made prior to my joining almost three years ago. Um, I'm proud of the fact we've been able to maintain that. Um, It's not easy, Um, you know, there there are sacrifices that are made uh, in terms of, you know, can we do everything we want to do? No, but we we hit every, you know, component from facilities and and buildings and grounds, um, you know, to roads and bridges, um, to, you know, being able to upgrade our IT uh, system. So, you know, we, we delve into a capital budget and, and, and I think this past year went through it at least three times. Um, you know, we're about to embark on a, a, a new emergency services training uh, center, uh, which is for our um, uh, volunteer firefighters and, and EMS personnel, a burn building, if you will, which is a, a building designed to be able to be burned. Uh, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times with the building not physically burned down uh, because the, the, the state has such, um, I'll call them in some cases, onerous requirements on, you know, you want to volunteer to be a firefighter. It's not like it was, you know, 30 years ago, I'll just raise my hand, show up at the local firehouse and, and uh, yeah, we'll outfit you for gear and we'll, we'll do a little in-person training, but your, your training is essentially on the job of getting whenever the next fire call is. Now it's, you know hours of classroom work and then um you know going through this this burn building um and so we're we're there are bids out on the or bid specs out on the street right now uh that are due back in a, in a couple of weeks that we embark upon that project that's a, a 2021 um
0: project Where will that will be located
1: that will be located at the same location that the current is which is it's in Clinton township um, it's on state owned property that the state has, uh, leased to us, um, and it will replace existing, um, structures that are there. So the first phase of the project is about a three to three and a half million dollar project. And we've been, you know, putting money away, uh, again, so that we're, we're not experiencing, um, you know, any debt in terms of, you know, when we go out to, to actually, um, you know, put a shovel on the ground and, and, and go forward. The budget itself in terms of operating, I mean, we were able to reallocate money to have for COVID. Uh, we, we had budgeted $100,000 um, of county money. Um, we did a municipal grant program, um, which we're just uh, wrapping up where we had appropriated 50,000 out of that 100,000 and gave every municipality, um, the, they got a minimum of $1,000 and a maximum of $5,000 based on their COVID-related expenses to help them offset money. I'm, I'm pleased to say so far 23 towns um, have uh, applied and received, and we're waiting for, for three more towns. So I expect 100% um, uh, of, the, of our 26 municipalities will, will apply uh, for that. I mean, it's their money. I mean, it's money that you know we've collected tax-wise. To return to them to help, you know, with whatever COVID expenses they they have, whether it's PPE, whether it's training, whether it's cleaning. Um, Some some municipalities or municipal buildings are still closed um, and set up by appointment only, um, or you know, handling everything online. So we we left it to them to decide um, how to do it. So.
0: I know I I, I I did a sort of a mail drop about two weeks ago of calendars and went into about four or five of the municipal buildings. I was amazed at how much security was there. and The four guys sitting at the desk are officers in the, offices and the sheriff's department, I guess, and they were bored to death. <laughs> said, yes, cool. yes.
1: I mean, and we've not had any, any issues, fortunately, uh, you know, with our county buildings. I mean, part of that we did as a result of the, the voting um, Process and making just making sure that you know our our clerk's office, our board of elections office weren't you know overwhelmed at once with with people because of concerns about if their ballot was going to get there and not using the United States Postal Service uh, for mail. But also you know there have been some I'll say disgruntled individuals that you know weren't happy about not being able to vote in person and. And, um, you know, express their their feelings, which is understandable, but at the same time, we want to make sure our staffs uh, and employees are are safe and that, you know, the whole vote counting and vote processing um, system, you know, functioned without any delay.
0: Well, you know, I've been talking to Mary and, and Steve over in Somita County, this is all mandated by the state and yes. by the federal level. Um, I, I I'll be the first one to say it could be a little more uniform, but I think as far as our county went, it was very effective, and uh, we didn't feel um, we had to up to the Clinton, we live in Beaverbrook, and, and drop it at the library. And you know, we're seeing on TV people standing in line three blocks to drop their vote off. It wasn't the case. It was, right. It was almost normal, except right. they like couldn't vote in person.
1: It worked. I mean, it you know, it, it, it certainly had hiccups, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure Mary could, you know, could maybe did tell you, I mean, I think the, the biggest challenge, um, you know, was the um, the system itself, the computerized system, which is a state system, which unfortunately has a lot of bad data in it um, and people getting, you know, we, I, I was working these days from home, uh, you know, listen to 101.5. And and hearing you know people calling into Bill Spady's show about you know I received two ballots or I received a ballot for somebody that hasn't lived here in ten years and and you know the county clerks told the state you know the, that well ahead of this and so uh, you know I fought the state for for that and and they need to do a better job now we're talking about you know 2021 and they and the legislature is talking about early voting which is you would be able to you know, go into your polling place or designated polling places across each county up to 10 days before the election, whether it's the primary or the general, and there would be these eBooks, electronic um, polling books, and which would allow you to go to any polling place, not necessarily your own. So that book has to have every single registered voter in it. Um, and so if that data is bad, um, you know, then, people will question the integrity of, of, of the vote, of the, um, the election, which is what we don't want. So um, I know Mary's been you know hard at work at that and Beth Thompson, our elections administrator uh, for 100. And um, so the state's got to get its, get its act together and they're gonna have to appropriate significant amounts of money because uh, that all falls on the state to, um, to do. They can't push that expense down to us because we don't have the means um, and we don't control the system.
0: And Mary and I talked about it and depth the last thing you do when you move, think about it, is going and changing your voting record. That's how we're starting. Right? Yes. So it it's an, has an inherent in lack of information or outdated information. Uh, hopefully in a year or two, we're back to doing it the way we were, but I quite honestly think people are going to like voting by now. <laughs> especially since we seem to have got more people to vote. Did we get more people in Hunterdon County voting than normal?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers were off the charts uh, in terms of just the the turnout in general. Um, I think Hunterdon was close to 80%, if not over 80% of its registered voters, Uh, you know, numbers that we've never seen uh, before. Um, and, that, and, and we saw that all across the state uh, from the vote by mail. I mean, part of that was every registered voter was sent that vote by mail ballot for the November 3rd election. And, you know, in the past, what we knew, knew was absentee voting. You know, you had to request it. If you didn't request it, it wouldn't be sent to you. And, and that was an argument, you know, pro and con about sending everybody about and, and could there be. You know, chicanery in terms of somebody getting about that's not theirs and attempting to to vote on it. I, I we didn't see that here, uh, Fortunately, I mean, does it happen? I think it does, um, but I think all, all the the election, the integrity of the election was solid. Right. Uh, the vote by mail system uh, worked. Could things be improved? Sure. Everything. There's always improvement. Uh, room for improvement on, on,
0: on processes. The reason people live in Hunterdon County and the greatest in Somerset County is just for that reason. It, it doesn't have what many inner city counties have as you get closer to New York. Um, I, one of my biggest complaints in real estate is every, for two, two of every three houses I list, they have to go buy a lock for the front door. But we don't lock our front doors. Right. That's a pretty good reason to live in Hunterdon County. I'm, yes. I'm looking at the uh, 440 preserved farms and 34,000 acres now in farmland preservation. So those are amazing numbers. What percentage of our total acreage? We have about 125,000 acres. So is my memory correct?
1: That's 34,000? Correct. We have the 100 and is, um I might get these numbers reversed. For, we're either first in the number of total number of preserved farms in the state and second in acreage um, or reverse that. I know we're, we're, we're competing with Salem County down in South Jersey.
0: Yeah, oh, oh, the, the report page, it said first in the state with 140 farms and second okay. 34,000
1: acres. For the acreage, yes. I mean, we have a terrific, you know, program. People continue to, you know, to step up to, to want to do it. I mean, the, 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 the money is available. The money's not going to be there forever. Um, That we, that the state um, or that we voters, you know, voted to authorize. This was back under the Whitman administration. Um, Her, her goal or her plan of a million acres of, of open space and, and farmland preserved. We've not reached that. I think, I think statewide we're maybe at. 300 or 400,000 acres, but, you know, it took money from, available from the corporate business tax and, you know, and appropriate to the, to the counties. And, and, um, and she also simplified the process to allow lands to be preserved. I mean, when I started the program in Tewksbury, you know, it was taking upwards of three plus years for people to see their money. Wow. um, and that was significant. And, and, you know, we've, we've cut that well over in half, fortunately, um, and then the Highlands came in, and then there was Highlands money. So, like again, you know, the northern part of 100 is in, in the Highlands, um, and so there's also a separate pot of money for for Highlands communities that actually also money that came from the federal government for Highlands. So, um, our nonprofit partners are great at that because they they have the time and 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 uh, uh, drive uh, to to search out every single funding source, uh, federal, state, local, um, private. Uh, to cobble money together to 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 get these projects uh, moving, so working with our county staff, um, you know, Listen, it's been a success all around.
0: A lot of a lot of my business, and I stay in both counties. Like 200 and in Somerset about easily deal with residential, um, but I find a lot of people in Somerset County they can't find what they want. They call me. You go about four or five miles down seventy eight, you're in Pittsburgh, which is very very important, and you're in heaven. <laughs> it's yes. The Somerset County orders, offers more diversity, I think, and a lot of the uh, reasons that people are living there is that, but as they can't find property in Somerset County. Hunterdon County is becoming, it's always been a quality of life issue. We moved here in 98, we moved here because we wanted to be in a college lifestyle, and um, we found it, and we're not going back. But I, um, I talk to people a lot to find what they're looking for in Somerset County, and do some Somerset County. But an in interesting statistic has come up in the last three months. We had a, a truly V shaped curve in real estate. We did nothing from March through June 15th, other than what was already in the pipeline. June right. 15th, it was like somebody was given a not any human, haven't been affected the way that people have to go to work are affected. And right. Some of it is medium end like doctors, nurses, and, and clients. Some of them are lower and that's what Jim Hughes calls the I
1: refinanced um, before COVID um, because I had a whole bunch of home improvement projects, which I was I've gotten through most of them over the course of the the summer here. And of course, you know the rate is almost a percentage less than what I got, you know, back in the early February. So, um, you know, it almost behooves me to you know to look at it again. They, you know, the the, the uh, guidance was always if you if she, you could shave another point off, well then it may be uh, you know advantageous to know to do it so um, and and, you know during the summer here you know and Hunter and I would see especially on the weekends we you know we would see a huge number influx of you know out of state cars mostly New York um, that I think you know people well I think we've heard people you know trying to get out of New York City for various reasons um, and 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 looking for you know areas out here but I think in part of it some of our surge in park use was, you know, people getting out of the city or out of more urban areas to, to, to come out here because they knew we had less cases, more open space, more greenery and, you know, taking advantage of the, the weather, outdoor weather.
0: We had toilet paper in the store.
1: Yeah, actually I was at a Target last night in Bridgewater uh, and, and the shelves were bare, void of uh, paper towel, toilet paper, Kleenex, um, you know, Stocked with holiday items, but but the, the essentials are are going off the shelves again, yeah.
0: Well, okay, so Hunter and County offers the quality of life, which
1: drew me here, Maryland and I here in
0: ninety-eight. We've never looked back and we've never changed our mind. We love it. She used just commute the rush it was kind of tough, but at that point I commuted to North Airport and got on a plane because it was sale. It wasn't so bad. And now that she's retired and we're saying, Wow, we're we're really living in heaven from a few viewpoints. Not only do we have no locks on the front doors for a lot of cases, the stores have toilet cases. Right. It's safe. We don't feel intimidated. I've never, with all the things that were going on close to New York City, felt that we're in trouble out here. Um, There's a lot of good to be said for it. But talk to Mark Stassel, and then I read a little about what you were stating in your uh, newsletter. And this, this 179 project sounds amazing to get people to take advantage of what's going on in their own county.
1: Where- oh, Route five, 579, oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, that follows the county route. Um, I was out actually yesterday on a on a, another tour, probably the last one for me for the year. Um, and the farmer's markets are, are have been amazing. I mean, they've been... Resilient through this whole process, Uh, you know. Fortunately, farmers' markets were deemed essential from the very beginning, like a um, a supermarket or a pharmacy. Um, And you know, while individual markets shut down, you know, the typical market at a train station or you know, heading into the more urban areas, um, you know, people flocked to to them, especially um, early on and through the summer, um, and and they've been. You know ecking out a, a living some of it has still been tough for them yeah. um, but you know we started those two initiatives the the main streets uh program with several of our main streets to, to drive people back literally to you know to the main street mom and pop uh shops the antique stores the the, the specialty stores um as well as the 579 trail and and highlighting the wineries the the farmers' markets, you know, the agritourism, unfortunately, has has fallen because of the the large or the inability for the you know for large gatherings like the the the, the pumpkin picking and things like that. I know farmers' markets and farmers in general, um, you know, retooled their their their. Um, there are programs to, you know, require people to make an appointment, which was, I think, you know, something new, uh, you know, you had to make an appointment or buy a ticket to go to, you know, pick apples or, or, or pumpkin picking back in uh, October. But it, it seemed to work. I mean, now, of course, we're, we're heading into the holidays and, and people are going to be looking for for uh, Christmas trees and things like that. So that's the next, you know, test and challenge for, for people wanting to to do that in those Christmas tree growers being able to you know, to handle the influx of, of people because we're going to celebrate the holidays and, and people are still going to want a Christmas tree and Christmas wreaths and all those kind of things.
0: So we sort of have it all. I remember Janice Kovac told me back in, uh, after 9-11, they had a shop downtown Clinton thing going on to help support the local businesses. And a lot of people told me it was the whole Christmas stuff in downtown for their surrounding areas. Yes. now I'm seeing the signs again. So it, it almost sounds like we're back to supporting the local merchants. And I, I had Jack Cush on about four, or four weeks ago. He's telling me what's going on. Totally approved and now underway in downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got downtown areas coming back and growth. Uh, it, it's back to the basis.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, and fortunately, it's, you know, for people that, you know, if people have fears about supermarkets or large crowds, even with a mask, you know, shop local. That that's you know, I think uh, you know, I don't think Black Friday is going to be anything like its normal self. Cyber Monday, what is always the Monday after, right. you know, Thanksgiving weekend. I think you, I think unfortunately, we're going to see a lot more online shopping. Hopefully, that uh, positively impacts our local, you know, retailers, those that have you know, the, the, the web and have a website and have that capability. Um, But I guess my message is don't, don't be so fearful that you don't go out to the, to the local shops and patronize, you know, the hardware stores, the the antique stores, the, the, the staples. I mean, we just had a new business here in Oldwick open up a um, equestrian lifestyles type shop, very small shop, but they've got a great online, presence. They're on social media and Instagram and and, and pushing out, you know, what they, uh, what they sell. And they just opened, uh, I guess, a month or so ago. So, um, you know, kudos for them for, for sticking it out and, you know, and pressing forward.
0: So take us forward. What do you see happening in the next six to 12 months um, that we haven't seen before in the, um,
1: Well, we will, uh, I mean, we're going to, we'll embark upon a new budget year. Um, We budget on a calendar year. So that cycle starts over again. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm be curious to see what our, how we end our revenues for the year. Um, um, You know, government is, is not a, you know, we're not selling a product. We're not selling a a commodity. So, you know, we're relying on, um, you know, not only the, the property tax, um, but also, you know, through, for instance, Mary Melby's office, the clerk's office, um, I think she told me that, uh, you know, in some areas, her numbers were, were up. Um, uh, surprisingly, uh, you, you know, like, for instance, passports is, is coming uh, back, even though people couldn't travel, people are still coming in for, for passports. So there's a, you know, we get a little piece of that. Most of that money goes to the, to the U.S. government through the State Department, but um, you know, she's an authorized passport uh, issuer. So um, that will lead us into 21 and, and then see what we can, you know, spend in terms of our projects that we have uh, planned. Um, as far as COVID, we'll keep, you know, pushing along. Um, we're getting CARES Act money uh, for testing. Um, you know, part we're seeing numbers increase because we're, we're doing more testing. Um, there's a new test, kit coming that will allow you to receive it at home and send it back so that people don't have to even go to um, a pharmacy or their doctor's office uh, and get a result back in 24 hours. So, um, but, you know, we're already at work on the, the, the vaccination uh, plan, Uh hundred has a, a plan in place that we've, you know, retooled from uh, previous um Health issues, you know, we had uh, when we had Ebola a number of years ago, and we thought that that was going to reach uh, us here at a significant rate. Um, you know, a plan was, was put in place. So when the state tasks us with the vaccination plan or, or vaccination process, once the vaccine is, is available, um, you know, we'll be ready to go because I think it's going to have to be um, the, the county and local governments helping in that process and not just pushing people to their hospital or their doctor's office, because those areas are not, those individuals are not going to be able to, to manage, um, the number of cases. And then coupled with, depending on whose vaccine it is, um, the extremely low temperature that it has to be maintained at so that it's still viable and, and, uh, its efficacy is, is high. That, that's going to be a big challenge. I know the Pfizer vaccine and I'm not knocking Pfizer in any way, but you know, to be at minus 90 some degrees, your typical uh, place uh, doesn't have that, that storage capacity. So, and that has to come from the federal government. The, the, I know the, the operation warp speed, I think it is, uh, and the general that's tasked with that. Um, you know, what listening his, uh, 60 minutes, uh, program a number of weeks ago you know it sounds like you know he gets it and, but you've got to get that all the way down to the to the localities to to do that and and
0: uh, so she was saying so, this is so complicated it's, you've got to be at this tremendously low degree that most places don't even know how to get to
1: get this cor- correct and then it's a two-shot you know some of them are a two-shot um, process so Sometimes people forget to go back for the second shot. Uh, you know, depending on what the, the 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 gap in time is for you to wait. So, um, you know that that's another that's another challenge in terms of the the tracking and, and and people to, you know, to do that aspect.
0: So, one of the things you do that I get a lot out of your report I found about three or four past ones and read through them. Uh, is that something you do religiously or? Is- Time
1: for me. um, I mean, we have great staff to do it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not doing much of the the writing. I'm probably more editing as as people you know present topics to me and and, and do it. But I just one of my goals for 2020 was was communication was transparency. Um, and so um, you know the the morning report and the hundred and report that come out uh, weekly or biweekly, and then you know, the director's report, just, you know, just keeping people informed. Not everybody has is on social media. Um, you know, at least email seems to be much more prevalent uh, with, with most people um, versus, you know, the old traditional snail mail and, and, and using the post office. So it's a quick way to tell people, you know, here's what's going on, here's what's coming up. You know, we, we don't hear much from the public during meetings and, and certainly this past year, We've made it as easy as possible because people could, you know, call into a meeting. We didn't do, you know, Zoom right. uh, meetings like we're doing here, and 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 WebEx. Um, you know, we just did the traditional, you know, phone conference call um, uh, for several months. We're now back um, with a hybrid process where we're live uh, back at our meeting room, and then also still on the phone again for those that. You know, are concerned about coming in. And of course, our meeting space, we've got to be, you know, six feet apart. So that limits, you know, the number of people in the space. So um, it's just, I hope that people find it viable and usable in terms of, you know, what's happening. I've received a lot of positive comments from it. People actually, you know, similar to yourself saying, wow, you're, you're, you know, you're doing all that, you're doing a lot. And I think people probably didn't realize the extent of what county government does for them and can do for them.
0: Well, I'll tell you, we're calling it in business the new of normal because I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the way we were. Things that work like Zoom, uh, I think will take a place of a lot of, uh, I just did an interview with a client yesterday over the telephone. It didn't matter that we're, we were in two different states. We got the same right. thing done. So what works, works. I mean, there is, um, Kim Hughes talks about corporate culture disappears because you really need uh, collaborative effort. I think uh, John Maddox also said, John said two things that were interesting. I think you know John, he's Mark's counterpart over in Somerset. Yes. He said, you know, first of all, I've been in emergency management all my life. When emergency's over, you clean it up. This emergency goes on and on and, on and on and We don't know when it's going to be over. So it's a totally new bullet. But he also said that we've got so many things, and, and they're more into uh, we're getting there. Bringing companies into the area that the jury is still out in corporate culture. How are we going to develop the corporate culture? So yeah, we right. have to work from home, and then Tim um, calls that the uh, the hub is a club, so that you know every two weeks there's a half day in the office for everybody kind of thing, or maybe half one or two weeks idea. But you do need all the people there, and then the opposite is we have a fellow in Bloomington that I heard the, driver, the over About a totally virtual company he runs. He has like 42 people in the office. And this was before the, the COVID came along, and he says different hiring, it's a different work discipline. And we get together every eight weeks somewhere to have the culture, but culture is important. that's right. that I think we can give up. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's been very interesting to talk here. I think that time is up and I want to be respectful of that. But um, I, for one, have always felt very proud of our county, especially since I got involved and understood it from the, uh, you know, the Hunterdon uh, Leadership Program. I then went and did the Somerset Leadership Program in 18. I mentioned this to you. Know, and they have similar but different problems in Somerset County and were, we're sister counties. Um, yes, and I think what we've always offered in Huntington County was more bucolic style They look alike, where they touch the two counties, but the further west you go, the nicer it gets. It's just used to be a tougher commute back to where you had to go to work in a lot of cases. That may not be the same. So I think we're going to see the dynamics of the county change. And Jim calls it a live-work-play and learn environment. Learn will eventually go away, but. These people aren't going back to work. I live in Beaverbrook and there's a couple of guys in there work at at and in Bedminster and they're not going back to Bedminster much less New York. That's 22 miles. They're not going to travel. Mm-hmm. The whole economic environment is going to change because there's certain things you now will buy more local, like lunch. And, and the guy that's hurting most according to the is the drive from here. Nobody wears the food anymore. But we have yet to go through the unraveling of what this is going to mean for our local municipalities, but the, good, the news is good news, not bad news. Yes. Well, Sean, thanks a lot for coming on. All right. Well,
1: thank you for having me, Joe.
0: Yeah, I appreciate- Wow. As most of you know, I'm pretty involved in the county, and I learned a lot from Sean during that last 40 minutes of interview. Hopefully you did as well. Thank you for tuning in.
2: One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker sales associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective initially he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points and finally he controls the entire process through technology and marketing the end result to you is a smooth rewarding customer experience let joe show you how to take his professional expertise And put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908 238 0118 or text to 908 304 4660.